live and local. Nick and Josh for breakfast. Triple M breakfast. Ready to go? Mmm. We're in it. What are you eating? Sorry, I'm eating a... This is, this I'm is eating the, a snake. Yeah, a snake, yeah. This is a bit of free ASMR for listeners. Oh, no, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> that sort of that sort of noise, actually, like the chewing, is truly one of the most terrifying things to me. Like, it's, is it a pet peeve, the sound of chewing? I don't know what that's called. but it's, Like a phobia? Maybe a phobia. Probably, it does verge on phobia-esque. Yeah. I hate it. Do you have, a, do you have like a genuine phobia? I mean, apart from the, the chewing sounds, do you have like a genuine phobia? Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a little claustrophobic. I've gotten a lot better in recent years, mm-hmm. but I used to be like reasonably claustrophobic. I am... Um, I remember in, I think it was in like my first year of uni, like around that time when I was like 19 or 20 or something. And my girlfriend at the time, uh, and I would like, we saw this thing for like to go caving near where we lived. Oh, and that's um, terrifying to me. Yeah. Well, in my head, I was like, I'll do some immersion therapy. Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Just jump right in. And so I was like, this will be interesting. You know, I was like, I'll take my GoPro. And the very first hole that you go through in the caving thing is, so I had the GoPro like, chest harness thing. Yeah. And the very first hole was um, so small and tight that even the extra like three centimeters that the GoPro added to my chest was too much width of my chest. Oh. So I had to take the GoPro off so I could fit like between my- Between the rocks. Nips to back. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Which is not the medical term. Nips to back. Between the torso. We'll give you a nips to back look over. So I took it off and uh, we went went through the caves and then within, I had a panic attack within the first five minutes. Yeah. Underground. (laughs) <laughs> Which is not a great place to have a panic attack. You wouldn't be a very good Batman. What do you mean? Well, Batman lives in a cave. No, but have you seen his cave? It's very, it's, it's sp- very spacious. It's quite spacious. <laughs> and got good light as I'd, well. I'd argue his, his cave is more spacious than my current place that I'm living It's really in. open plan, his cave. Yeah. It's- um, for, for regular listeners of the show, they'll know that um, uh, I have a fear of magpies. Oh, interesting. That's, and, is that clearly they've assaulted you at some stage? Uh, during childhood and yeah. birds in general, because um, if we ever, you know, walk out in public together, which I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know. Not, We're not, at that stage not there yet. yet. Yeah. <laughs> if I walk under a tree or a or a lamppost or something and it's got a bird on it, mm. it's, it's it's an exti- uh, extinctive, uh, instinctive action for me just to go like that and then do, do a bit mm. of a circle around. Because uh, A, where I grew up, a lot of magpies around. Uh, swooping was a big thing, especially in primary school. We had a magpie every year would swoop the kids. Terrifying. And B, plovers. Oh, yeah. They hate people. Friend of other my, birds. A friend of mine lived on a property, flat, nice flat property, plover, plover nest right in the middle of the property. And us as stupid young kids would take, don't do this. I'm not This is, I'm not advocating for this at all. Do we need to tell um, RSPCA to sort of just back off a little bit? Yeah, probably. This is not what I do anymore. As a stupid young child, this is what we did. We'd take boogie boards out as kind of, you know. Oh, that's uh, okay. Uh, um, yeah, no, we wouldn't like hurt them or anything. We'd just try and get. <laughs> Defend The ourselves. goal was to touch the nest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, I, I like that. That's quite fun. Not hurting the birds. We just had, we'd had a boogie board to. How kind close of, could you get with that? Uh, I never touched a nest. Mate. Maybe that's your 2024 resolution. Touch a nest. <laughs> Touch a nest without getting swooped. That's yeah. quite oh, that's, a, that's quite a challenge. Don't do it anymore. I've got to tell you, I don't, I don't do it anymore. No, you love birds now. I love, uh, well, <laughs> apart from if they're above me. If they're below me, fine. But above me, I don't like that. How do you feel about, say, like an emu or an ostrich, which is technically both? 
terrifying. I'm into the Kyabram uh, Fauna Park. Uh, if you haven't been, highly recommend. There is a emu or cassowary out there that has the look of death in its eyes, mm. and it just like comes towards you. Like, is it a cassowary? The one that looks like it's got a blade coming out of its head? The cassowary, yeah. And they've got claws that are like kitchen knives. Yeah. And the guy told us. You know, uh, if you meet a cassowary in the wild, which I don't know, <laughs> shake its hand and be polite. <laughs> he said, "Stay, do not, you know, go close for photos. Do not try and pat it because it will grab you." It said he'll he'll lift up its he'll, uh, um because it's got the reverse elbow things oh, that yeah, emus yeah. have, and it will grab onto your stomach and rip your stomach out. Cool. <laughs> so glad that we conquered the wild. Sometimes, you know, as a, as a species, people talk about how. You know, humans have you know decimated the population of certain animals. Yeah, and like we've really taken over the nature. I go sometimes that's okay. Not the cassowary. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to get them. The arguably are the ones we should have got. Yeah, I don't know yeah. many other animals that actively just try to rip your guts out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this one at the Kyabram Fauna Park's not going around like ripping guts out because <laughs> <laughs> that's an attraction. <laughs> you know, every every week at a show they get a hardened criminal that was sent to death. They put him out there and they say, if you can escape the cassowary, it's like a Hunger Games. You're allowed your freedom. Yeah. Uh, welcome to, by the way, we're a little bit in it now, but the podcast. Yeah. Um, I hope you're enjoying the first week of the show so far. It's been good, been fun to do. Um, here, I think I think we're putting out uh, a show a week, some of the best bits from the show and obviously mm. some inane chit-chat. Yeah. And uh, we'll share some stories here, I think, is the idea that maybe if it didn't make it to show, couldn't make it to show, not good enough for the show, mm. too good for the show. Too good for the show. It is called the Premium Podcast. Yeah, so stuff that you know we possibly couldn't share. I wanted to... Um, I've got one for you. I was mm-hmm. a medalist of stuff over the break that I was like, oh, here's stuff I should talk about. But I, I suggested against this one because it involves uh, my dong making an appearance at, the, <laughs> at an airport. At an airport? <laughs> yeah, which is not where it's supposed to appear. Sniffer dog wanted to, uh, thought there was something concealed. <laughs> That's very generous of you. <laughs> so what this is that? This guy's got a weapon. <laughs> what is that very small weapon? <laughs> what is that cap gun you've got there? Um, over the break, I was in... Uh, I went on holidays and I was in Vietnam actually and mm. saw some friends and it's a, as a lot of people probably know, it's a very hot country, mm. sweaty country. And so before my flight coming home, I wanted to use the, apparently they, they other airports have this, but I hadn't seen it before, uh, airport showers. Oh, okay. Which is nice to offer that because, mm. you know, before you go on a flight for nine hours, you don't want to be feeling hot and sweaty and disgusting. Yeah. Um, so I hopped in the shower and at the airport. And it was, it's kind of just like locker room showers. Like, you know, it's not communal, but it's, you know, it's not nothing flash. Yeah. And um, I had a towel, but I was showering off and I was drenched in sweat. I was gross because I've been walking around all day or whatever. And um, I was like, I've got no soap. How am I actually going to clean myself? <laughs> so I was like, well, there's probably like, a, there's probably like hand soap at the, where you wash the, because it was a regular bathroom as well. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, what if, what if I, um, just go and fight, get the hand soap. Yeah. So I'm like, I quickly duck out my head out of the door. There's no hand soap there, but what there is is a big, like, pump bottle of hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, I don't want to get my, I'm wet and haven't really properly cleared myself. So I don't want to use my towel just yet. Yeah. So what I did was put my thongs on quickly and then just wait, make sure it's pretty quiet in the bathroom and, um, like bolt out of the bolt out of the shower to the kitchen, <laughs> yeah. the kitchen, the, the to the sink, yeah, yeah, to get the hand sanitizer naked in this like busy international airport, <laughs> <laughs> and like in the most 
like obviously this is what happened because otherwise why wouldn't be talking about it but mm. like as as I'm doing that like a cleaner comes in because mind you this is like late at night like they're clearly cleaning up for the day yeah and I, as I'm like stealing this like big bottle of hand sanitizer to go and scrub my naked body I'm like turned around bare butt like you know bits flapping in the wind and this cleaner just walks in and I didn't speak Vietnamese still don't <laughs> and I was just like I'm just showering and he was just so shocked at this naked man standing in the bathroom with a bottle of hand sanitizer sprint back and then thankfully it was gone by the time I came out but yeah so he uh, you haven't seen him since uh no we're doing a long distance relationship <laughs> yeah, he, he liked what he saw it reported me to customs because he's like that's gotta be that can't be real <laughs> I have never had a, I've never had an overseas naked, um, situation. I always make sure I've been to Bali a couple of times and I Shocking always, you've never been naked in Bali. I think that's like a, that, it's that like a, well, I went, the course. I went over there to, uh, I, I went to Bali with my school to, uh, um, volunteer in orphanages. Well, <laughs> so, it been, so it would have been, so would have been weird if I was walking around an orphanage, uh, well, but you could naked. have donated your clothes and they, you know, that's the only, I think that might be the only acceptable way. Is you go, I care so much about this orphanage. Here's the clothes off my back. Yeah. And they ask me, do you have any other clothes? And I go, nope. <laughs> More than one set of clothes? Well, very nice orphanage. All right. Well, la-di-da. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I've never had a naked um, a naked situation overseas. But I imagine uh, the uh, the hotness and the sweatiness of, of an Asian country, it, it, it's so uncomfortable yeah. so much of the time. Um, because you just you just feel dirty all the time, uh, but I got to imagine that the like people that live there and have been like brought up there and have grown up and they become adults that it's like nothing to them though. Mm. Do, do you think, think they acclimatize or they're just comfortable with being hot all the time? Oh, I don't actually know. Yeah, I it's shocking. I don't know. I haven't lived there. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. fair. Enough. I, I can't. I can't comment as a Vietnamese person. Yeah, um, who's lived in Vietnam their entire life. Um, I reckon it must be, I, look, probably the answer is a bit of both. Mm. Um, I wouldn't survive. No. I mean, obviously I come from fairly white blood. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, you know, uh, just genetically, I was never designed for those sort of countries. Yeah. Uh, which is a real, you know, that's why I, I really stand out when I get there. Yeah. I, I would imagine like p- places like uh, Abu Dhabi and, uh, you know, uh, Dubai and places like that. You see people walking around in like long, I mean, it looks like lighter cloth, like linen or like a cooler cloth, but yes. they're walking around in like f- long pants and long shirts. And you just think, I don't understand. I'd be in thongs and a bintang all my entire life. Yeah. It must be crepe paper. It must be. It has to be something that like, but I, I, I do agree. And then I also wonder what, I do think about what underwear they're wearing. Cause I go, if it, cause if, if it's that hot, I don't know what you're like, mm. um, but I like, you know, I, I'm, I'm the, they used to call me the chafing king. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, you know, regular underwear and I'm just, I would just be, I would just be a sweaty mess. Like, and yeah. I would, so I'd be chafing. So you'd think that they'd be wearing skins underneath as well. Something like that. You got to be. That or they're just vaselining the inside of the thigh. Yeah. Lotioning it up. How, that would be interesting. Anyone that wears such garb probably is like, have, their skin must be incredible. Underneath. It must be it's so lotion, pretty like a baby's bottom. <laughs> you know, uh, where, where the sun is exposed, like you know, the eye slits and like the hands and like, yeah, parts yeah. Of the, that is weathered because of the sun and the sand yeah, and just yeah. like, truly like some very harsh weather conditions. Yeah, but underneath, it's like a Ken doll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> truly horrific. Um, can I share another holiday story before we can move on? Yeah, yeah. Something that I don't know if um. 
is suitable. Uh, I had a few things that happened over the holidays where I was like, oh, this is interesting. But I wanted to, um, on, a, on the flight, actually, over to Vietnam, I saw a, a baby execute a power move, and I just want you to be aware of this one if you ever travel with um, Esther. Okay. Um, but on the flight over, like a reasonably long flight, um, the daughter and the father-daughter combination, and the daughter had obviously decided somewhere along the line that she wanted both, I think, I want to say she was in the two to three bracket, so very applicable to you, mm. um, the daughter, and somewhere along the flight had decided that she wanted both her seat and her father's seat. Right. Or specifically just wanted dad's seat or whatever. So dad was on the aisle. Yeah, two-year-olds just make that decision all of a sudden. They're like, oh, this is, I'm having this one now. I'm, I want this one now, yeah. And uh, dad had been relegated to, this was kind of at the portion of the flight where people were sort of uh, kind of sleeping, mm-hmm. like it was dark. Mm. And so dad was lying in the aisle of the plane whilst the girl was just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I've never seen this before. I've never seen someone lying in the aisle of an airplane. And he was just like lying back there, like on his phone, just like yeah. kicking back. And he'd look up every few minutes and be like, still there. Yeah. Still it's crazy. I, I 100% get that because it's crazy what you will do just to keep your child, especially on a flight, mm. just to keep your child, you know, calm. I should say, I assume that it was his child. Otherwise, he's just a very rude dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you, have you taken, um, Esther, on any... Like long haul flights. Like no. what's the what's the worst travel situation that she's been through? The longest, well, the longest flight we've taken is from here to Coffs Harbour, which is about two two hours and twenty minutes. She would have been okay for that, I imagine. She was pretty good for that. She was pretty good for that. the The issue that we have, she's very good on flights. So I got to say, she's we we started taking when she was uh, like a baby, and we we've ever since she was born, we've take we've done trips kind of every six to eight months mm. up to Coffs or wherever. So she's pretty good at that. Um, in the car, though, it's a tough situation in the car, right? Because there's nowhere to go. You can't get up and walk around or go to the loo or whatever. She's strapped into a car seat. And we should say you fly first class. We do fly. Yeah, we do fly. <laughs> well, she first. does. She demands. She, and then, she, <laughs> you're in, you're in economy. And then she wants my seat, and I got to go back to economy. <laughs> uh, the, but driving in the car is terrible with a two to three year old because after what seems like fifteen minutes, they're like, "All right." We're, we're, we should be here by we now. better be there. It's time to get out. When we go back to Ballarat or Beaufort, where my partner's family's from, that's a three-hour drive. So you've got to, we can get it smashed out in three hours, but it's screaming. It's screaming for two and a half. That's so unfortunate. Yeah. What age is that supposed to level out? Uh, maybe like, maybe like 25. 25. <laughs> So you've only just got. I've only just got it. I've only just got, I've just got out of you've it. You've become a good traveler in the last year or so. Yeah. So there was a good year where you had both your daughter and you scream. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. When she needed her nappy changed, I was just screaming in the lounge room because I wasn't getting attention. <laughs> ah, well, here we are. Yeah, that's right. Matured, become a big adult. Um, all right. Uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast, everybody. Yeah. Some bits of the show. Uh, hope you, you know. Hopefully, you came down to the outside broadcast this morning. Yes, that's right. Uh, at the RSL, we had a great time meeting everybody, saying g'day and all that jazz. Hope you enjoy the bacon and egg rolls. Mm. Ours were delicious. They were good. They were really good. And uh, we'll look forward to next week. You've got an um, engagement party. I've got an engagement party. I did speak about this briefly this morning on the show, but I do have an engagement party this weekend. So I'm heading off to Wollongong, mm. which actually, speaking of traveling with the daughter, will be our longest trip because it's seven hours to Wollongong. Is and I don't, I don't know what your intentions are at the engagement party. Is it going to be a burger night or is it, can it not be because you've got a daughter? Well, my mum is coming as well. She was, so she was for her. So <laughs> she's getting, she's getting sauced. <laughs> well, Joshy, pick a, me up. Um. 
<laughs> well, she gets a, cue, a, a few uh, cab sabs in her. She'll be, um, <laughs> she'll be laughing. She's in the back seat. Esther, let me tell you something about. <laughs> when I was your age, I got to tell you something. Um, no, uh, well, hopefully, she's a bit of a. She, hopefully, in a perfect world, she will look after the daughter, mm. and my partner and I, Eden, can have a few bevies and have a good night. But I'm not going to put that responsibility on her. I'm not going to say you're looking after the daughter tonight. If she wants to, you know this kid I she have? can. Yep. Take it. That's yours, all right? Uh, so, no, we've got an engagement party this weekend, so we will see how it goes. Yeah, and I have uh, whatever the opposite of an engagement party is, just celebration of no, no unions. <laughs> I'll be celebrating no unions this weekend, as far as I know. A divorce party? Uh, do I know anyone that's divorced? I think I'm... I don't, I don't think so. I think I have younger friends. Yep. There's only a few that are married. I have one married couple friends mm. and the rest are all just uh, wandering through life aimlessly. Yep. That's the way to be. <laughs> That's the way to be, baby. <laughs> Drop some calves, salves and go to an engagement party. Celebrate the union. We'll see you Monday morning, everyone. Nick and Josh for breakfast. Get more after this. Now, I love a good survey and I love, uh, f- it's not not like a census or anything boring like that. Like, no, what's one of the your cool surveys. <laughs> not one of the cool surveys. One of these kind of niche surveys that I read about online, one of them uh, happened over in America and it talks about uh, uh, landing a plane. Mm. Now, the idea of landing a plane, in my mind, before reading this survey, was it's quite difficult. You know, well, part- Josh, we're, we're led to believe it's very difficult. <laughs> we're led to believe it's very difficult. Um, but apparently, half, <laughs> nearly half of men mm. uh, believe they could land a plane safely in an emergency. Um, well, to be completely honest with you, Josh, I mean, I just I'm going to do a quick survey here of the room. Um, I reckon I could do it. <laughs> And uh, do you disagree? Yeah. All right. Survey survey stands correct. Survey comes out. So right. you reckon um, you reckon you could land a plane without any training? Look, to be completely honest, absolutely, I do. I look. I, I'll need um, ta- I'll, I'll need mission control. Probably not well, what it's called, but <laughs> I'll need mission. Uh, Houston. I'll need Houston in my ear <laughs> saying, "All right, let's you know press this button. Press the one that's flashing. It shouldn't be flashing." Exactly. Now, speaking of that, a veteran pilot and flight instructor has has come on board and commented on this survey. Um, and he said, with uh, the right air traffic controller, the likelihood of landing safely uh, is possible. Right, of course it is. He also that's, went- what been, that's what I've been saying. That's every time I get on a Qantas flight, I say, let me, let me bring it down for you. If you, you need me, I'm back here. You guys go on Smoko and I'll bring it down. <laughs> he also later went on to say about landing a plane, it's not rocket science. Right. Well, actually, it's plane science. It's planes. Well, what is a plane if not a stick with two rockets strapped to the wings? Yeah, like a horizontal rocket. It's a horizontal rocket. Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, that's probably why they don't call it ground control. They don't call it horizontal rocketry. Yeah. Um, I think you need to have a little. This is, um, I think, a bit of a self-talk issue. I think you know, maybe it's a self-esteem issue from you. I reckon you could do it. Thanks, man. I think there's no. Di- I think there's no difference to the car you drove to work in, <laughs> my Mitsubishi, and, and, and a seven forty-seven. Exactly right. There's no difference between the two. Yes, there's <laughs> slightly more passengers on board, but yeah. you know. Look, I'm. Uh, I'm not going to try it anytime soon. Should I? Should we? Is there? Should we try and get like a uh, a simulator or something and see if I could do it without any? I don't need a proof. Like, <laughs> would you take? Would you um take a discount? Because obviously, you know, I think. Jetstar or Bonza are probably the cheapest airlines in Australia at the moment. Mm-hmm. Would you, if I said I'll knock fifty to one hundred bucks off your plane ticket, but I'm landing it, would you take that deal? <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, say less. No, that's a yes. I saw a nod of the head. 
Your local breakfast show. Nick and Josh for breakfast. Triple M. It's quite warm across the GV. Has been for a little while. Um, when it comes to beating the heat, I think you know we've got some pretty classic approaches. Uh, you can hit the pool. You can go basin. I think a lot of people just getting around in like you know thongs, maybe a singlet, whatever. Mm. Um, you know, you do have to be careful with how you do approach the heat and staying cool. Uh, one man has lost his cool. I want to take you over to the United States right now. Yeah, we're going over to Birmingham, Alabama, where one man um, has, I'll say, lost his cool. Okay. Now, I don't know if he was trying to keep his cool because, you know, the actions of this man um, made the news, so arguably not a very calm man, Josh. Um, but there are some things that you cannot do in public, uh, not even just in terms of beating the heat, some things that you're just not legally allowed to do. Police say he crashed his car in the parking lot, took off all of his clothes, and went inside the shop in Leeds, Alabama. He jumped into the water yelling, cannonball. After swimming for a few minutes, he jumped out where two police officers waited. A naked man <laughs> takes to, uh, it's called Bass Pro, but it's like BCF, but in the yeah. States, yeah. and uh, crashes his car, strips down, hops in, and cannonball. What a man. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Uh, that is obviously not, uh, not what you should do. Obviously. <laughs> you never do a cannonball. You always dive in. That's that's Pool Safety 101 <laughs> with Josh Arthur, for those legally listening right now. Um, you know, we don't really condone that across the summer. Uh, you know, we probably should say we don't really condone public nudity. No. Private nudity, we're all on top of. <laughs> Go for your life. Um, obviously, the, the cops didn't condone the public nudity either. Mm. Um, I love what the punishment uh, was given, like what this man was charged with. He faces several charges, including public lewdness, and criminal mischief. <laughs> criminal mischief. <laughs> Cannonball. I, I didn't know that criminal mischief was something that, like, was a legal term. Mischief sounds like he's just been a bit naughty. Yeah, he's, like, uh, put a whoopee cushion somewhere. Yeah, he's nicked some cookies when mum was making dinner. I don't think it sounds like he got his dong out at the BCF. <laughs> um, no word on what's happened to that man, but, you know, I can only assume he's become a spokesperson for the, uh, for the brand and... He's obviously doing quite well for himself. Probably can afford more clothes now. Olympic diver or Olympic cannonballer? Uh, more updates to follow. Live and local, Nick and Josh for breakfast. International Dairy Week happening at the moment out at uh, Tatura. It's a big, big event. Massive. And, um, I imagine there's a lot of that going on. I looked on the website and uh, they've got all the past champions of cows, and oh they've got goodness. them. They've got them like posing with their head up and their tits to the side, so you can see the udders and it's all of that. It's quite regal. Absolutely, it is. I don't know if they should have the udders online. Give them a bit of respect, but yeah, <laughs> they should be censored. There should be like a little <laughs> <laughs> the black box. <laughs> well, that guy's got a massive udder. <laughs> Well, a guy. <laughs> uh, cow, man. If the guy's woman. got a massive udder, that should <laughs> certainly be black boxed. Um, and I, I went online and, and uh, I was looking through the website and just what was going on. There's a heap happening with International Dairy Week um, this year. And uh, one thing I didn't see on there, mm. which makes sense because I don't believe that they produce any form of dairy, is a Highland cow. Uh, so the particularly... They're a, they're a beautiful cow. Absolutely. Might I say. One, one, of the, one of the hottest cows on the market. Aesthetically pleasing. They're the hairy ones, right? Do they yeah. have big horns or they've got a bit of a buff head? Um, I think they've got... I think they can have... Uh, they can have big horns, but I feel like the, the horns are maybe, uh, you know, shaved back a little bit for safety reasons. Sure. <laughs> um, so they're not a very happy cow. <laughs> yeah, they're not horny at all. Um, but um, uh, I... 
I was driving out to Bendigo maybe uh, close to two years ago and I saw a Highland cow on the way to Bendigo. Some property out here had a Highland cow. One Highland, one lone Highland cow. So that Highland cow was very, uh, seemed very lonely because it was wow. just out on his own. Two years ago, life peaked and it's sort of been... Well, I've remembered that moment. Downhill since. It's, it's, um, the moment... How old's your daughter, my, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the moment my daughter was born, seeing a Highland cow, two highlights of my life. And it's really, it is hard to rank them. Yeah. It is. And Not it, in no particular order, that, by and the way. We never, and we never would. And what was the name of the Highland cow, by the way, that you saw? Oh, uh, well, I don't know the name. It didn't have, a, like, a collar on. I was going to say, it, it didn't inspire the name of your daughter? <laughs> no, no, You didn't no. see the Highland cow and go, beautiful coat, I hope my yeah. daughter's got the same situation going there? Absolutely. No, I saw it maybe two years ago, mm. and I've never forgot that moment. <laughs> sounds like I've, met, I've uh, fallen in love, but I, I guess I have a little bit. Highland cows have been kind of my obsession, and Eden, my partner, can tell you this. Every time there's a Highland cow on social media or video or something, I'm I'm there. I'm wanting to watch it. I've, right. I've looked at baby Highland cows. They're the cutest, they're hands down the cutest animal in the entire world. Rough for your daughter again, but... Well, what, what are you saying? You're calling my daughter an animal. No, I'm not. I'm just I'm saying, you know, if you're, if you're looking at a newborn, I would like you to put your daughter above the cow. Well, she's it's neck and neck at the moment, the Highland cow and my daughter. I've got to be honest with you. My obsession with Highland cows... So I, I'm, and I've driven to Bendigo in, you know, recently as well, other times, and I haven't seen that Highland cow here. So mm. we, yesterday we spoke about New Year's resolutions. Sure. This year for 2024, I've come up with a new, uh, a new New Year's resolution. It is to hug a Highland cow. Hug a Highland. Hug a Highland. Which does sound like a big, like, uh, social activism campaign. Yeah. Or tickle the udder, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Do they have others? I don't know. Mate, you're the one that's obsessed <laughs> with them. Nick and Josh for breakfast. Get more after this. Right in the middle of your summer. Hope you've enjoyed Triple M's coverage of the cricket over the summer. Uh, a few weeks ago, the unthinkable happened whilst we're in the middle of our tests against Pakistan. David Warner absolutely going through it. Unfortunately, someone has taken my backpack out of my actual luggage. Inside this backpack was my bag of greens. That's sentimental to me. It's something that I would love to have back in my hands walking out there uh, come this week. Now, whilst parts of the world were at literally at war, um, that was one of the biggest headlines in this country was that, yeah, he's, he's, David Warren had lost his hat. Um, <laughs> we, That's now, an oversimplification, but yeah. He, he lost, just like a kid, a kid at primary school who's not like, no hat, no play. He's got the neck thing at the back. Yeah, the legionnaires. David Warner thought that it was a no hat, no play rule. He goes, no, I want to play against Pakistan. Like, David, get where's where's the baggy crap? <laughs> they blamed Qantas. They thought it had been stolen. They assumed the worst. It has now come out what has actually happened to the hat. He's, they've, they've since got the baggy greens back. They've got the backpack uh, returned to Warner. And I'd like to, Josh, read to you sort of, I guess, the, I, I don't want to say police report because it didn't go that far. Mm. But um, two team sources from Cricket Australia, uh, speaking on the condition of anonymity, uh, told the Sydney Morning Herald that the bag that contained the hat had in fact been inadvertently seen by a member of support staff and packed in a half-coffin bag, uh, which was left at the hotel. The half-coffin bag, normally carrying smaller items, uh, was opposed, as opposed to the full-coffin cricket bag, um, which was left at the hotel and uh, had been misidentified as the bag most likely to contain the baggy green. 
So he so he left it at the hotel. That is that is the gist of David wanted he left it at the hotel. He put it in the wrong bag. He left it at the hotel, and then Australians <laughs> up in arms. Quickly, let's go to war with Qantas. They took David's hat. <laughs> How wild to attack in the media. <laughs> One of our biggest companies in the country. Yeah, <laughs> when you've misplaced. <laughs> I wish, I wish uh, the the media would get behind other people when they misplace things from Qantas, like a a guitar or something like that. But this hat was very, it was very important, and it's, oh, it's an important hat. Yeah, absolutely. And as per primary school rules, yep. he had his hat, so he was allowed to play. Good on him. Classic and- Warner, though, making uh, you know, uh, blaming other people for his. Uh, he tried to blame Qantas for the sandpaper thing, but that didn't really make any sense back then. Your local breakfast show, Nick and Josh for breakfast, Triple M. We're asking, do you have the GV's oldest dog? That's right. After Bobby, who uh, was the ex-oldest dog, he passed away in October, is having his Guinness World Record investigated after some uh, bit of... There's some con- uh, contradicting information about his actual age. Some birth certificate tampering, potentially? Possibly. Who yeah. knows? Um, 31 years old, though. Very old for a dog. Very impressive. Hard yeah. to get up there that old. Um, the dog that's at the place I'm staying at the moment, Susie, she's about 15. My little dog, I've got a uh, dog, Eleanor. She's a staffie. She's eight, but with the wisdom of a 15-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. <laughs> Again, birth certificate tampering, we could get onto that. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones right now. one three hundred nine two five triple six. Uh, Annie from Kai, you reckon you've got the GV's oldest dog? Yeah, I definitely do. Tinkerbell has been with me for ages. Okay. Tinkerbell. Uh, how old is Tinkerbell? 16. That's an old dog. That's an old dog. What what breed is Tinkerbell? A Chihuahua. Oh. I, uh, and I've never had a Chihuahua. The impression I get is they're a bulletproof dog that lasts forever. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is, is Tinkerbell, like, has weathered some storms? Yeah, look, she's definitely got some spunk to her. Maybe definitely becoming a bit senile, but it's okay. She's vibing. Yeah, it's she's right. still. She's still. Uh, do you still think she's cute? I like ugly things, so oh, yes. Okay. okay. Hope you haven't got a boyfriend. Promising for any partners of any <laughs> in the near future. You know, Tinkerbell's really set. Has Tinkerbell gotten better with age? Um. I oh no, she's definitely losing it a bit. All right, shout out to Tinkerbell if you're listening, which sounds like you're definitely not because you're hearing something as well. Yeah, she can't hear anything. Don't put your hand too close to her. All right, keep that in in mind when I see a 16 year old Tinkerbell next. Gets a bit nippy. Hey, Annie, thanks for the call. No stress. It sounds like there's some wiggle room to take the record out, though, doesn't it? Yeah, we got to get another 15 years. <laughs> it does make that sound like Bobby was definitely lying. Absolutely. From round the corner to your street and neighbourhood, Nick and Josh for breakfast. You want the latest in movies and on-demand entertainment? You talking to me? Actually, no. This is just the intro. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Movies with Shane A on Triple M and action. This is my first time talking to the man, but welcome to the show for the first time in 2024. Shane A, good morning, our film analyst. Hello, very, very good to talk to you, and I believe that, uh, you know, we'll have a very good year. This, this year of 2024, a lot of movies that got held back from last year due to the Hollywood strike are rolling through, so a big year ahead of film. Uh, I'm get I'm getting a little bit um, I don't know about you Shane getting a little bit bored maybe I mean I love him don't get me wrong but of uh, Jason Statham he's in, he's been in a little bit I love him don't get me wrong but uh, he's in a brand new one it's called the Beekeeper yeah 
I hear what you're saying, Josh. Um, he pumps out, he's a bit like Nicolas Cage. He pumps out about four movies, maybe five movies a year sometimes. And this one, well, forget about plot. There isn't any, but it doesn't matter. He does most of his own stunts. He's a very uh, charismatic actor and he's just terrific at what he does. Uh, this one is a little different, though. He plays a, a beekeeper, an actual beekeeper, looking after honey and hives, and he's, love, he's just loving these bees that he has because he's an ex-CIA agent. He's called back into action because of a conspiracy theory to do with the president and the government. Uh, yeah, expect nothing but a lot of good martial arts and some <laughs> amusing one-liners. Oh, God. In every ex-CIA agent needs something to sort of calm down after a day. <laughs> it's a hobby. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another big one that's been in the works for a while, uh, Shane, uh, the, 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 the Mean Girls reboot. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm hearing mixed things. Well, I, I totally agree, Nick. It's, uh, I'm on the fence with it. Uh, I love the movie from 2004. I can't believe it's 20 years ago now. Um, that the original comedy film was terrific and then they made a Broadway musical out of it and this essentially is the movie version of the Broadway musical. A lot of people don't realise that but it is a full-on musical. It's family friendly so it's great for the school holidays. They've sanitised it um, down from what the original movie was but you know the mean girls they're not as mean anymore. <laughs> they're more compassionate but uh, I, I thought it was okay. I, I'm not going to say that I'm the right demographic for it. Mm. The crowd that I watched it with, a lot of tweens, they were right into it. So who knows? It's going to be a big hit during the school holidays, I'd say. Do you ever, Shane, do you ever get, when you go see a movie like that and the, and the cinema is full of like tweens and teens and, you know, younger people, do you ever get yeah. kind of like side eyes from people being like, what's, it, what's this guy doing in this movie? <laughs> Thankfully, most of the time I am attending media previews, oh, so nice, yeah. I'm, I'm with media people or special guests. However, I, I know what you're saying because I do watch <laughs> everything that gets released. Uh, not really side eyes, more or less saying, <laughs> why is that guy down there by himself? But hey, I always sit down the front, so at least I'm away from most people. Yeah. yeah. Hey, round it out for us, Shane. Uh, something filmed here on our own soil, which is lovely. Yeah, any, anyone but you. Um, that was released on Boxing Day. And it was sort of like under the radar. It wasn't a big hit, but it has built and built over the last three or four weeks at the box office to get to number one. Uh, it is just a uh, run-of-the-mill, opposites-attract rom-com, but it's appealing. It has Sydney Sweeney in it, who you might know from The White Lotus, uh, mm -hmm. and a few other movies as well. And uh, Glenn Powell, who was in Top Gun Maverick. And they are Amer a couple of Americans who have uh, reunite in Sydney because they're attending a wedding. Uh, you got Brian Brown, Rachel Griffiths, two terrific Aussie actors pop up as well, and mm. Sydney as a backdrop, perfect for a movie. So, yeah, it's entertaining, funny, and some great chemistry between the leads. Hey, between the three movies, Shane, what's your pick of the litter? Like, what are you going in to see? <laughs> I probably laughed when I shouldn't have during The Beekeeper, and I like Jason Statham, <laughs> but I'll go with um, any anyone but you because I'm quite partial to a good rom-com. All right, love Fantastic. to Shane, I appreciate the heads up, and thanks for your time this morning, mate. Have a great day, everyone. Bye for now. Nick and Josh for breakfast. Get more after this. Yesterday on the show, we were talking about finding the Goulburn Valley's oldest dog. We had, uh, I think, Annie called through to tell us about her 16-year-old Tinkerbell. Yeah, a and, chihuahua. A chihuahua. Yeah. And uh, we, we've, we've one-upped it this morning already. Which is what we love. What have we gone? What's happening? We've got 17-year-old Cody here. Um, we'll quickly, uh, we'll try and talk to This is going to be great radio. Cody, do you have anything to... Cody's licking me. Which is what? What's the um? What what is the uh, translation? Did we figure that out between dog years to people years? It's seven, I think, isn't it? Okay, so 
We've got a 119-year-old here. You know how... Gosh, you're good at math. Did you put that on your phone? Or did you just I do that next <laughs> I, um... When I think someone... I, I see this in the newspapers all the time. Actually, it was in the Shep News recently because a, a woman turned, I think, 105. I think, I think that's, someone, that's, no, that's not even newsworthy. Nothing. Cody yawns at that. <laughs> but when, when people get to a certain age, they go, what is the secret to longevity? And, um, Cody, what is the secret to longevity? She's... Uh, Cody, she's immediately put her tongue in my mouth. So it's, that's the secret. I think it's sharing. I think it's loving. Yeah, which is a, it's a beautiful message from young from uh, from young Cody, 117 years young. Um, I've, I'm going to brush my teeth in the next spot block because I just don't know. I don't know how clean Cody. Is. <laughs> your, your breath's going to smell like schmackos now. Oh well, you know, probably could, there's worse things it could smell like. I suppose by the end of it. Your local breakfast show, Nick and Josh for breakfast, Triple M. As we are starting the year, actually getting towards sort of the business end for the uh, the big bash league, closing in on finals Friday night. Josh it was the big the, the Sydney derby. It was the the Sixers. Um, playing against the was it the Heat. I don't know. I don't really follow the uh, Thunder and the Sixers. Mm. Who gives a shit about Sydney? <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, at the start of the game, I think the thing that caught everyone off guard was the fact that one of the star players uh, for the Thunder was, of course, David Warner, and he had his uh, brother's wedding that he had to get to. And he's double booked. Double booked. Oh, can you believe it? Why'd you choose the Friday of all days? Uh, but so make sure he didn't um, miss the game. Went to the went to the wedding, and then they helicoptered him in to the SCG so that he didn't miss the game. A private... Private helicopter. It wasn't like a tourist, uh, you know, a tour of... <laughs> Sydney. Well, they, they, it wasn't a chartered flight yeah. with a bunch of other, you know, like Guests British on. tourists. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they, they dropped him into the... They popped him down in the middle of the pitch. They went out and they had a chat to him. And I've got to tell you, David Warner, it sounded like he had a great time up there. Um, this is him saying how how good it was to take a helicopter into the stadium. Uh, it was yeah, it was good. It was quite cool um, to see you know Sydney from up above. In a, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, I think David Waters never been in the sky before, judging by <laughs> But oh uh, uh, yeah, uh, he was shocked by it. Yeah, he was. Um, he was. But he took the helicopter in. Pretty cool. I think undeniably cool to take a helicopter anywhere. Really, as like oh, a arriving punch. in a helicopter anywhere is immediately. A, you know, you're socially above everyone. But I would argue, here's, here's my point, and then we went on to, I was watching the game with Dad on the tally, and um, our argument was that if you take a helicopter to work, you've got to be really good at your job. Yeah, absolutely. And Warner, look, obviously he's, you know, clo- close to the end, very close to the end. Um, yeah. I would argue he didn't perform well enough to necessitate taking a helicopter. He made, I think he made 39 on the game on Friday night. <laughs> I don't, th- 39, whilst not a bad score, I don't think it's good enough to no, um, it's not justify. A helicopter ride. No, I think if you take a helicopter to work, you've got to score a hundred runs. Yeah, more. I think more. More than a well, and he didn't even come. He didn't really come close. Didn't even yeah. crack the half ton. Um, I want to know, Josh, what mode of transport <laughs> do you think thirty nine runs justifies? Probably like a razor scooter. Oh, so he's, yeah, he's and as he enters the stadium, it. he smashes it into his shin. <laughs> and that's that's why cricketers wear shin pads, is because most of them take razor scooters to the stadium. Absolutely. 39 runs has got to be like, at, at the most, an Uber. That's Yeah, that's true. And that's, it's Uber pool, so you t- there's other people in there. <laughs> Where are you off to? My friend's party. Oh, Beth, that's nice. Where are you off to? Oh, I'm about to play in the Big Bash League. They're like, I know, you've got, a, you've got your cricket bag on your lap, mate. I haven't really given me much room. I think 39 runs is the equivalent of, I think Dad needs to drop you off. <laughs> I think you have to call in a favour to Dad. Have fun, son. And to be completely fair to Warner, he probably did ask his dad for a favour, but his dad was like, mate, I've got your brother's wedding. There's absolutely no chance. <laughs>
from round the corner to your street and neighbourhood. Nick and Josh for breakfast. Triple M.